If you are a mother of a soon-to-be college kid, a mom in general, or maybe a mom who already has had kids in college, or maybe you have been in college recently or not too long ago, and you can relate and feel my pain on navigating the college process and the cost, this is for you. Yes, you are here. Bienvenida to the Her Dinero Matters podcast, a mixed language podcast hosted by me, Jen Hemphill, to help you become the reign of your money and love your dinero more. If you are needing some inspiration and encouragement at this very moment, you have come to the right place. Gracias por compartir este tiempo conmigo. Now let's jump in to today's Dose of Money Confidence. Hola, hola, ¿qué tal, Reina? This is Jen Hemphill. Thanks so much for joining me today. And in this episode, it's just you and me. And what we're going to discuss today is something I don't think I've talked about lately, or maybe I have referenced when I've spoken about my boys. But we're going to be experiencing a new change in our life and a big change, in my opinion. My firstborn, my baby, or my big baby, my son is going to be graduating from high school and going to college. So this school year has been about learning to navigate this process in terms of applying for colleges and the costs. And it's been painful. Well, it hasn't been painful, painful all throughout. It just has gotten painful most recently. Now, I have noticed, and granted, it shouldn't be a surprise, but so much has changed from when I went to college. That is for sure, especially the price. So today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you my experience as a mom, my frustrations, and more. And more specifically, in today's episode, I'm going to share with you why I had some serious sticker shock, as well as several reasons contributing to why college is expensive. I did some research, and I'm going to share that with you. And the three things that I'm personally struggling with when it comes to navigating this new phase in our family's life. Well, let's start at the beginning. The beginning of this academic school year, or even before, we thought that we've been doing the right things. And granted, we have been doing the right things, but there has still been some lack of knowledge or just time to really for us to take and understand some things, because this is what we have done for our son. Since he was a baby, he doesn't know, so don't tell him. And I just hope he's not listening to this. I doubt he is. But since he was a baby, we've been saving. We have been putting money into his 529, which is for college. Then we also, several years ago, hired... Miss Pam Andrews, who actually has been a guest on this podcast, and I will look up that episode. She's also known as the Scholarship Shark. She's a college admissions counselor. She is amazing. And in that episode, I think I know you're going to love it. So 
she has helped a ton. She has helped in terms of having someone to help him with a college process, with applications, and as well as just thinking through the cost, thinking through just many factors. So in addition to saving for the 529, hiring Miss Pam, which I will link that episode in the show notes. My husband, as you know, is an active duty member of the Air Force. He's been in service for 20 plus years. So he has a benefit called the GI Bill, which helps towards education. So what he has done is he transferred the GI Bill, the benefit to our boys, half and half. So in my mind, with having saved some for the 529, having Miss Pam on our side, meaning she's just been such a huge help. And with a GI Bill, I'm thinking, well, we're good, right? Well, (laughs) maybe about a month ago when these last college acceptances were coming in and the award package, the financial aid package, I experienced some sticker shock. Um, Granted, my son did apply to private schools and I didn't tell him not to because honestly, it just, besides the cost of private school, yes, in what you see is more expensive than like state schools, but it all comes down to how much the state school gives or the, in the private school gives an aid and they private schools tend to give more money, which was like, I wasn't really concerned. My son is a great student. But when I looked at those award packages, and what we had to meet, my mouth just dropped, because it was a ton of money. Now I'm not going to share with you that amount, not for a lack of transparency. But there are so many different situations. So I don't want it to sway you in one way or another, because this is just our own personal situation. But what I have noticed is college is very expensive. I went to Purdue University. I honestly, I've shared with you, I didn't have a choice really. My parents were at that time financially times, I can't say they were tough. They were better than before, but for college, they didn't have the money and I hadn't been working and there was just so many factors and they're like, just go to Purdue. My mom was working there and got 50% off the tuition. So literally didn't cost much at all for me to go to college and I got a good education, didn't come out with any student loans and just, I was good to go. So when I look at what my costs to go to college, it's not even half. I mean, it's like a tenth of what it costs now. And I just don't know what can be done, but the rise of the college cost needs to stop. No college degree is worth the 100K plus or very few, right? Because if I did some digging and that general average salary for college graduates comes to about $50,000, $50,000 a year. So this is according to the National Association of Colleges and Employers. So they did a survey, $50,000, okay? The average cost of tuition is over $35,000 a year. This is just tuition alone. 
the average cost of room and board is between 10 to 11K a year. So that is over $45,000 a year. And we haven't discuss other expenses like books, like meals, like other things, transportation. And according to educationdata.org, the cost of a bachelor's can be, this the key is, can be over $400,000 when you take into account student loans, the loss of income, which they say, meaning the four years that a student is studying and not earning. Okay. So that's their estimation. But the average salary for a graduate is 50K. That doesn't add up whatsoever. And when I looked at some articles as to why college is expensive, the thing that really stood out to me is that loans are readily available. They're readily available, and that is a big reason as to why college, there's other reasons, but that's the one that really like stood out to me. Financial aid in terms of loans is readily available, which influences the cost of college, because if it's ready available, then college institutions, I'm like, well, here's a resource (laughs) to pay for your tuition. You know, you can take out some student loans because it's easy to do. Oh my gosh. I just, I'm still upset about it. Other reasons that college is so expensive. Again, besides financial aid being just readily available, for-profit schools charge 75% more tuition, this is according to educationdata.org, and I'll have this link in the show notes, when students are eligible for federal loans. I want you to think about it. So if a person wants to attend X college and they're eligible for federal loans and this college knows this, they will charge 75% more in tuition. That's crazy pants just because of that. Like, what is the ethical, moral, or the morality in this? It's just crazy pants. I don't get that. And of course, students are increasingly attending college away from home. They are spending more on administrative fees. The amenities account for as much as $3,000 per student per year. And then the number of administrators also have increased by 85% administrative staffer by over 240%. Again, this is the same source, educationdata.org. That's between 1975 and 2005. So those are some of the things. There are other reasons, but for me, the one that struck me the most and I think is not right is how readily available the financial aid that influences the increase in college costs. And then on top of that, You don't know how much aid you're being offered until you're accepted into college. Granted, you have the choice of being accepted, of taking uh, early acceptance, and there's different variations. My son didn't do that. So mainly his college acceptances came in March, April. And so until March, April this year, we didn't know what college was really going to cost. And then on top of that, you have to make a decision by May 1st. And then my increased frustration (laughs) for me 
because I experienced sticker shock when I saw how much we were responsible for with these different offers. So of course, good parent I am, or in the one that does finances, I've contacted or actually he did because he, the 18 year old wants to be more independent, which I definitely respect. And he asked them several questions. And out of the six university and college institutions, only three responded. Three, I'm telling you, three. So out of these six college institutions that offered him a space in their college, three responded. Actually, four. And that fourth one came after he had already made the decision. A little too late. Come on now. And it wasn't very helpful. It was just like, well, just call us so we can answer those questions. Well, we wanted this in writing. So that was frustrating in itself. I'm like, if you really wanted my kid to go to your college, wouldn't you respond to these questions? I realize it's your busy time of year, but come on now. You've got to do better than that. Now, these are the three things that I personally have struggled with. Now, I want to share the three things I personally (laughs) struggled with. This is just my own experience as a mom. But before I do that, I also wanted to share the other part I missed sharing with you in terms of the rise of the college costs. And I thought this was interesting, that tuition inflation, and this is from an article from Forbes called A New Study Investigates Why College Tuition is So Expensive, and I'll have that linked up in the show notes. It was actually not too long ago from August 31st, 2020. This article shares that tuition inflation has risen at a faster rate than the cost of medical services, childcare, and housing. And it also continues saying, while generous financial aid means that students usually pay far less than the sticker price of the tuition, the net price of public four-year colleges has still more than doubled since the turn of the century. (laughs) And moreover, underlying costs at American colleges are the highest of any large country in the developed world. (sighs) If this doesn't get you, I know it does. It just gets me fired up. It just makes me so mad. And especially now so because... I felt like we were doing all the right things, which we did, but I felt like you'd get into so busy in the routine of life that you don't do some processing in terms of doing more digging into some of the things that you're learning. And this is our first time around, right? This is my oldest. This is my my baby or my oldest baby, right? Anyways, I just... Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. Of this past month and a half or two months have been so difficult mentally, stress-wise, and just figuring out like these finances, like this is like ridiculous. This episode is brought to you by Financially Strong Latina La Membresia. Imagine having a space of like-minded mujeres to lean on for support, accountability, and to get those dinero questions answered. 
You have that and more with Financially Strong Latina La Membresia. You can check out the details of this monthly membership at jenhimphill.com forward slash membership. Tell anybody I told you, we also have a private members only podcast in addition to all the wonderful benefits you get with this membership. So go check it out. Now, to go on with the three things that I personally struggled. One, I shared with you the experience with the financial aid offices. And I personally couldn't be a financial aid officer. I couldn't do their job because I know a job is a job. I know that. And at the end of the day, if that's the job that's available and you have to feed yourself, feed a household, you're going to take it. I got that. I respect that. But the fact that that person is offering aid to students and in the end, what is not covered, which is a significant amount, which I have found like in our experience was pretty much half of all the costs, they offer the student loans to cover the school costs. I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that to a student. I couldn't do that in my right mind. And again, I know that's their job, but I couldn't do that in good faith. Like, okay, here's what we are offering you. This is what's left to pay. You can just cover it in student loans. (laughs) Just cover it in student loans, even though this may mean that you will have over a six-figure student loan at the end of your college career, right? I just couldn't do that. I already have worked with enough people in student loan debt in the six-figure mark, in multiple six figures, right? And they have not paid it off because that's a large chunk to pay off and they are living paycheck to paycheck and they don't necessarily have much saved up for retirement, right? So I could not do that job. And it just bugs me. How can you feel good to work with students and say, this is, I I don't know, I have mixed feelings. I guess I understand it's a a job is a job, but morally I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I would feel guilty that I am here helping the student get into a lot of student debt. Not for me, not for me whatsoever. Another thing I have struggled with is this EFC number which stands for the Estimated Family Contribution. If you don't know, it's a measure of your family's quote-unquote ability to pay for college based on what you enter on the FAFSA, which is the Free Application First Federal Student Aid. The lower the number, the more aid you can get. The higher the number, the less aid you can get, and the more you can be relying on student loans, depending on how much your net cost is. So I question, I understand how they gather the data, but who are they, the FAFSA people that calculates this EFC, who are they to decide what you can contribute? I know it's an estimate, but they don't know what your financial goals. They can't be telling you, well, you have this accumulated in wealth, you're making this money, then this X amount can go to your college costs. What? 
Like, who are you to tell me how to spend my money? So with the EFC, if you have been working hard on building your wealth, you're making decent money, then your EFC is going to be higher, meaning your expected, your estimated family contribution is going to be higher. But if you don't have, I think the average that I saw, some families would get 10K, the EFC would be 10K, others would be like 20, 25. So if the families that are at 20, 25, 30, and the estimated family contribution, if you don't have $30,000 sent in the bank account for the college payment for that cost, then you have to potentially use student loans, right? But who are they to tell us how to spend that money? It does not make sense to me. If you are in that field and can have a better explanation and convince me otherwise, try to, but I don't think, I actually don't think you can. I don't think you can. It makes no sense whatsoever because we are here as families working on financial goals to build wealth, doing everything to progress in our financial life. And for you to tell us, because you filled this out, your estimated family contribution is this, that's not necessarily what you have to spend on college, right? You have other responsibilities. It's like ridiculous. The third thing is the trickiness in grants. Oh my goodness. It can be tricky because remember I shared with you, my son could use the GI Bill, right? But here's where it gets tricky. Let's say the GI Bill for a college institution or what they would pay a year. Let's say it's $20,000. I'm just throwing out a number. And that college or that university offered you $25,000 in grants or merit aid or, or whatever, right? Let's, let's just say merit aid. So on one side, you've got the GI Bill, right? For 20000 And again, I'm just throwing out numbers. On the other side, you've got merit aid for 25000 Okay. Your tuition, I'm not even talking about room and board. Let's say your tuition is thirty-five a year. You cannot combine the twenty thousand and the twenty-five thousand to cover your whole full tuition. No, that doesn't work. Since it's it's merit aid, the government says no, we can use it. You can use the GI Bill, but that merit aid, see ya. Right? Or maybe it's the opposite way around. It's they explained it to me different. Basically, you just can't use both. <laughs> and so if you're being given $25,000 in merit aid and then your GI Bill benefit is $20,000, it makes more sense to use the merit aid versus the GI Bill because the GI Bill is less, right? <sighs> Which I have problems with. I'm like, because you receive this money, you can't receive a benefit that's already given to you. It's, I mean, you can use it, but it just doesn't make sense in this scenario. Then there is also the displacements. Uh, there's displacements. So for example, let's take away the GI Bill scenario. If you've been given grant money and you've been given merit aid for a total of $35,000, 
And then you got some outside scholarships that are set for tuition. Like the scholarship clearly states it's for tuition. And let's say you got a scholarship for $5,000 and the college displaces you. That's a key question that I learned to ask. And the college displaces that money. That means that that $25,000 that they were offering you, because you're getting $5,000 in outside money, they're going to take $5,000 of what they already offered you because you got that $5,000 in scholarships. Ridiculous. When a college displaces that money, it benefits the college, not the student. But who's paying this? The families, right? It just makes no sense. I don't agree with it. I think even some states, there are some states that don't allow for the displacement. So you have to ask that college that they displace how that works. Then there's a front load, what's called front loading of grants. So if they're giving you grants, they're offering you the a grant of X amount of money and they front load it. It just makes the cost more attractive. And maybe you get that grant money that first year, but not the second year, right? So that's another thing that you need to ask about. And I just don't like. So again, I struggled with the financial aid office. The one that I've, the ones that I spoke to were, were very helpful, very nice people, but what they have to do, I just couldn't do it. With also the estimated family contribution, I have my thoughts on that. I am no expert, but I just, I don't agree with it. And then the displacement especially the displacement. I'm not worried t- too much about front loading because if you ask and you know ahead of time, but yeah, that's another thing. I find it challenging. This is about getting an education, but it's, it feels like it's more about funding a business <laughs> with your money and coming out with an education, but the ROI is not there, right? The ROI at the average college graduates finds a job with $50,000, but they come out with over $100,000 in student loans, it makes no sense whatsoever. But that is enough about my experience and my rant through this. I've had a difficult time with it just because I felt like I was prepared, but I wasn't. But I this has been a learning experience for us. And I know with our, our youngest, we're taking notes. So when he goes to college in four years, we are going to be even more prepared. I want to hear from you. Have you had a similar experience like me? Or maybe you want to add some thoughts to this conversation. Text me the word listener to 202 918 5197. That's 202 918 5197. And let me know your thoughts. Let me share with me your experience, your thoughts. Maybe you have some insight for me that I don't know about. I'm always learning. And this number, it's not like a robo person that texts you back. It would be me. Just keep that in mind. And if you aren't already following us on your podcast platform, Look to see, just check and see if there there should be either a plus sign or a follow and you click, go ahead and do that if you haven't done so already. This just gives you the ability to have the episodes all ready to go when we release new episodes. And I would love it if you give us a review 
if you listen to this episode on Apple Podcasts or this or your podcasts on Apple Podcasts, you can review it there. If you don't, if you listen on Spotify or anywhere else, you can go to what's called Pod Chaser. And I'll have the link in the show notes. You can go to jenhemphill.com forward slash pod chaser. And you do have to create an account. But what I like about it is you can create lists. You can review not just the podcast itself, but the episodes, which is pretty cool. And it wouldn't be just review on my podcast. You can uh, review your favorite podcast on there as well. So definitely follow us on your podcast platform. Give us a review. We love, love reviews. And the reason why we want reviews is that if you're a person that you're searching for a new podcast to listen to, like when you go shopping, like you look at the reviews before you make a decision. So that would help us to have more reviews. So you can do that again on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. And I'll have that link in the show notes as well. Next week, we get to meet Carolyn Rods, who is one of the founders of Hello Alice, a platform and community supporting small business owners. And it's really a fascinating conversation. That is it. Eso es todo. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to tune in to the show. You can check out the show notes at jenhempill.com forward slash 264. And this week, you will see a change in our show notes. Let us know what you think. We have implemented timestamps. This way, if you want to listen to a specific part over again, we have made it easier for you. Remember, being the reina of your dinero starts now simply by claiming it. I believe in you, and so should you. If you love this podcast, love this episode, I would love it if you share it with someone you care about. You never know what exactly that person is going through. And that simple act of sharing can change the direction of their financial life for the better. Bueno, pues, that is everything. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. Chao.